Inside the Adventure, episode number 41 with Nicole Bassett. If you've ever been afraid to step outside your comfort zone, then you're in the right place. Inside the Adventure features incredible athletes and everyday people sharing their epic stories of pushing life to its limits. Get ready to be inspired, face your fears, and take action with your host, Marshall Mosier. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Inside the Adventure. This is your host, Marshall Mosher, and today we're speaking with Nicole Bassett, the co-founder at the Renewal Workshop. Nicole, once in film and video editing, has now turned her passion for the outdoors and sustainability into an exciting new company in founding the Renewal Workshop, seeking to redefine waste in the apparel industry. The Renewal Workshop partners with some of the world's best-loved brands to source apparel that is returned, damaged, defective, out-of-season, or broken through really unique give-back programs. Through the Renewal Workshop, Nicole cleans, sorts, and repairs apparel to give each garment new life while massively reducing waste in the outdoor apparel industry. Finally, the Renewal Workshop really closes the loop by responsibly managing garments that can't be renewed. As a result of this, absolutely nothing is sent to a landfill, going back to her core emphasis on sustainability. And while Nicole has done some really incredible things in the last few years, all of her passion for sustainability and the outdoors really started in childhood. It's funny. Yeah. When I want to tell my story, I'm like, well, let me go back all the way to when I was born. Um, But (laughs) because really my biggest passion for the outdoors is the fact that my parents um, moved up to northern British Columbia and had me and my sisters and we lived on a farm outside of like very rural area. And so we kind of got to grow up in wilderness and um, play in creeks. And now that I think about it, I'm like, how did they like make sure we didn't get eaten by a bear? But like the whole forests and world behind our home was um, access for us to play in. And uh, yeah, it was, they had a passion for outdoors. So we would go camping we did lots of hiking. We skied a lot. Um, And then my parents were also really strong activists. Um, They, we're very close to the native Canadian community up there and um, other environmental groups who are seeking to protect the land uh, from a lot of deforestation, a lot of um, logging, a lot of issues up there. And um, we're pretty vocal about it. So I always grew up with this, like, I don't know, sense of need to protect nature in some way. Um, and then I, of course was a teenager and went on and then eventually went off to college and became interested in things like, yeah, making films and other more fun, I don't know, things besides the outdoors. And, um, yet when I got to college, um, or went to university, um, sorry, when I, after university, I went to, I worked in film and television for a number of years and I realized that this was really important and telling stories is really important, but I, I felt like I didn't really have my own story to tell. Uh, and I got inspired to go back to school and get a master's in environmental studies. And I did that. And um, it was really life changing to be able to work in environmentalism and uh, I chose the path around business strategy for environmentalism, but that's kind of 
the way I got here. That's awesome. What got you into the film industry and what ultimately made up your mind to switch and leave that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was exactly. It may have been the fact that like my dad bought a like a video camera, like a VHS video camera <laughs> that we would like make films on. And then eventually it went up and I think there was like I don't know, eight, uh, what was, there was some high tape. And then we eventually got through to like digital was really brand new when I was growing up. Uh, and so my friends and I would borrow the camera and make these films. And we thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And the films are the stupidest things ever. Um, but we loved making them up and writing the stories and acting them out and editing them. And, um, I just thought, Oh, this is, I love this. This is what I should do going forward. Um, and I did for a while. I mean, I, I went to university for it. I went off to the Canadian Film Center and did there. I lived in Toronto. I worked at the I worked at Discovery Channel uh, for a number of years editing uh, little documentaries. And I found it really just really fascinating. Um, and I had gotten mainly into editing. And I, I remember one day looking around at uh, the people I was with in the room and realized, oh, the best person in the world still sits in a dark room like this and edits. They have like bigger budgets and more time and um, staff and help and all these things. But I really don't have um, a desire to do that for the rest of my life. So I um, decided what else am I in love with? What else do I want to do? And so uh, I just started shopping around uh different schools and talking to people, what do I want to do next? And can I always came back to this idea of business and sustainability. Um, and I think one of the most interesting things that really, uh, was a tipping point for me is one of the stories I was working on at Disco discovery channel was about Ford motor company when they built out their new, uh, facility, uh, they put an entire living roof on the top of the building and they talked about how the benefit of like reducing their energy costs, but also creating an ecosystem for animals and birds was going to help that area. Uh, and then they also had a very um, contaminated piece of land near their new facility. And they priced it out of like basically pulling out all of that um, soil and taking it somewhere and treating it versus the cost of bringing in all these really interesting plants that could like basically, um, pull the heavy metals out of the soil and process them. And I was like, Oh my God, businesses can be agents of change. And it was like the first aha for me because I had grown up in such an era where, um, there were, it was, business was the evil corporation and it was always fighting the man. And the only people who cared about the world were the nonprofits. Um, so it really inspired me to think like, that's something I think I want to be involved with. So that's what I inspired to go off and do my, um, uh, master's degree in business and sustainability. So did you go to your master's degree before starting the renewal workshop? Yeah, there's a lot of years in there, but um, I actually uh, worked, still worked as a filmmaker while I went to school and did my master's. Um, it, I went to school in, in Toronto um, and it was really interesting because while I was doing my degree, 
I was learning a ton of new ideas about how to think about business and how to think about how businesses can act differently from a traditional capitalist structure or a very hierarchical structure. Um, a lot of things around um, uh, circular economy or thinking about um, waste um, rethinking about waste and turning it into like a useful input material. How can business reflect the way nature works where there, there really is no waste. Everything is very cyclical and gets absorbed or used in a different form to produce um, more mature um, economies. Uh, and so all those ideas uh, were very much front and center and really interesting to me. And then when I finished school, I got, um, I was looking for jobs and in Canada at that time, the only people working on sustainability were oil and gas companies and then uh, mountain equipment co-op <laughs> because they really were a leader in that space. But uh, if oil and gas companies needed to have somebody working on sustainability, cause they had to do a lot of stakeholder engagement and uh, environmental impacts assessments. And I was like, Nope, I can't do it. That's not my future. And my dad actually said to me, why don't you call, why don't you think about that company Patagonia? And I was like, uh, you mean the company that makes ski jackets? And I said, yeah, you should call them. And so through a few connections, I actually ended up doing a internship at Patagonia, which uh, turned into a job. I was there for about four years uh, and learned that they do a lot more than just make ski jackets, but are an absolute leader in sustainability in the business uh, arena. Um, and from Patagonia, I went on to run sustainability for a company called Prana, uh, which also makes outdoor apparel. And they, um, it was a really cool opportunity because they were a company who was very interested in sustainability and cared a lot, but didn't really understand how to make it um, formal, how to really embed it into the reporting and operations of the company. So that's what um, I spent about seven years doing. And then having done sustainability, it's mostly about how do you make the things that you make and run the operations more environmentally and socially responsible. And the idea of circular economies like was still very interesting to me. And I always wondered, like, I wonder if you could create a circular economy company. Like, I wonder if truly every time the more you bought, the more good you did. And, um, so yeah, that, and along with, uh, the fact that more and more people in the industry were starting to talk about it, um, I spent some time writing and thinking and researching and working with a number of people. And, um, and then my co-founder Jeff came on board about 18 months ago and we talked about, um, what, you know, how to, how do you turn this from an idea into a business and, um, been spending a lot of time doing just that. And now we're a company and we're up and running. That's so exciting to see the progression of how that happens. It's, um, it, it's really exciting to, uh, just kind of see that, um, unfold. But for anyone out there listening who doesn't know quite as much about sustainability, can you give us an overview of kind of the state of sustainability for the outdoor industry? Yeah, actually, what's cool about the outdoor industry and sustainability is that um, outdoor is definitely the leading industry around sustainability when it comes to to products, because I think there's this strong connection with what we make 
and, you know, where it came from and how we use it and wanting to protect the environments that we use it in. Uh, so what's really cool is that most uh, apparel uh, and outdoor brands in outdoor have like a staff person related to working on sustainability. They have um, they're focused on the materials that they use to make the products that they do. They're focused on the chemistry in the dyes uh, and components into that product. Um, they're all focused very much on social responsibility in their supply chains. Uh, they're looking at their factories, trying to figure out how to do things better. Um, the outdoor industry, when I was at Prana and now um, Patagonia is quite on board, is uh, we brought fair trade uh, to clothing. Uh, so fair trade, which you probably know in chocolate and coffee, is now um, Prana is a huge supporter of fair trade, as, as is Patagonia. So these new innovative business ideas are coming out of outdoor, I would say, in comparison to, like, say, general fashion industry. Um, so it's it's inspiring and exciting. There's also a lot of issues that the outdoor industry faces. Uh, we make a lot of products that are intended to protect us from the elements, right? Like you need a waterproof jacket. Well, in order to get waterproofness, you have to use a, a bunch of different types of materials laminated together. And when you put many materials together, it's very difficult to recycle them. It's hard to pull them apart. Um, also, there's a lot of work going on about water repellency and the chemistry used for water repellents and the environmental impacts. So there's a lot of changes that are going to be happening over the time on that area. So it's, it's, it's an industry that has a negative impact, but there's a lot of good people working on finding good solutions. Well, it seems like um, the renewal workshop takes that even to another level of really helping the outdoor industry to be even more sustainable. Tell us about the process of the goal of the renewal workshop to kind of revitalize a lot of this gear and make sure that. Yeah, our big vision is to create like a completely circular economy. So that means that everything um, is either turned into another material to be used again, which we call a technical nutrient, or it can be composted and go back into the soil. And, and therefore that soil could grow another not, you know, plant-based material that could be used as uh, a raw material. So the goal is that we can, we can get, we can make sure there's no waste and it, there's a strong economy behind it. Uh, so the first stage that we are focused on right now is this idea of renewing product, because as the longer you keep a product in existence and used is the best environmental story because it's avoiding the need to bring that new um, the like new materials to market and a whole supply chain around it and the energy used to do that. So if you can keep what you have in use, that's like the best. Uh, so what we do is we, like you said in the, in the beginning, we partner with brands. So I'll take Prana as an example. Um, Prana has product that's returned to them because um, the customer didn't like it and it might be dirty or it might be damaged or it might be a few years old and they and whatever the reason is they can't resell the product and uh so they have were struggling to find a solution for it um some was getting donated but um a lot of the product actually from different companies um what we found when we've talked to many brands is that they end up actually landfilling a lot of it or shredding it because they're just um they don't want to flood the market with damaged or bad product uh, and 
So that was one issue. The other issue is that there isn't somewhere for them to take this material to get recycled. Uh, so we take all this product into our factory and uh, our goal is to help the brands out by aggregating materials amongst many, many companies. And um, so we sort the product for the highest grade. Um, if we think it can be renewed, then we put it in that category. Uh, if it, we think, hey, there's some life still in it, let's upcycle it or we have a we have a, a future plan of of recycling. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, on the renewing side, the best thing we want to do is get this product out into the market. So very similar to you go to Toyota, you can buy a brand new car or you can buy a pre-certified car. Um, this is the same idea. We're going to renew this product to a quality level where you feel really confident in the, in the garment that you're going to get, because you could just go buy it off wherever eBay or anything, but you what we have is that relationship with the brands so that they feel like, okay, this comp, this, like this product is ours and we want it to keep going in the way that we've um, built it to, to do so. Um, we wash all of the products, obviously it's very important um, for, so the customers can feel confident in the cleanliness of the product. Uh, we wash a majority of our product in a system called Tursus Solutions, which is a massive, massive cleaning machine. Uh, and uh, it's really cool because it does not use water. And it doesn't use water because it uses liquid CO2. So we have these huge CO2 tanks, the same tanks that get delivered to like a restaurant or a bar to make your beer and soda fizzy. Um, that comes here. Uh, the machine pumps in the CO2. It pressurizes the tank uh, and through pressure, the CO2 becomes a liquid. Then it it sort of runs a cycle very similar to how you would at home. So you've got a detergent that goes in, it cleans it, there's some rinse cycles. Uh, and then the coolest part is that at the end of the whole cycle, when um, the tank is depressurized, the liquid turns back into a gas and all the products come out dry. So you don't have to use energy to dry the products, which also harms the fibers. So it's a nice way to um, ensure um, an env high environmental story for what we're trying to do through a cleaning process. That's um, why, why can't you just wash our normal clothes like that? <laughs> Sign me up for a, a, a uh, washing machine that uses that. So the washing machine is like the size of your bedroom. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's a bit of an investment, I guess. <laughs> it's a little bit of an investment for sure. Uh, yeah, but it is it is amazing. And like the first day it showed up, all of us were standing around and going, I'm bringing all my laundry in. Like I could wash my entire house in one load. <laughs> Absolutely. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, it's really cool. It's a really um, fun part of our story. Um the other thing that's cool about CO2 is it's it's more viscose than uh, water, so it can get into fibers um, easier, which is great because then you can just be assured that it's a, a really high-level clean. Um, so then when products come out of there, we go through our repair center. Um, they've already been sorted um, and determined if there's issues on it or not, but our, our head of quality will review products and then um, they assign like if it needs a new zipper or a new button or um, what thread it's going to get used to fix a hole. Uh, they organize all that. And then that sets up for production where they are. So will uh, repair things. And then they'll also uh, put our label on the product. So the 
the renewed apparel ha- is co-labeled. Uh, so it'll both have like Prana or Ibex or Totem Co or Mountain Khakis on it. And then it'll also have the renewal workshop. So that's really important because we want uh, customers to be able to tell the story of this product and, um, and share the impact that they're making by, by buying a renewed piece of clothing. Absolutely. Um, it seems like that it really adds kind of, um, you know, a group effort effect um, by saying, you know, it's, it's, you're supporting um, kind of sustainability and um, the renewal of, of this type of process by, by getting that. It's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's very, um, it's very important that, and I'm glad you picked up on that because it is the sum of all of these actions. Like one person's like, Oh, I bought a shirt and a pair of pants. Like, what is that really doing? But it's the sum of all these actions that we actually capture environmental data on. And we can let people know, Hey, by the way, your purchase actually made this environmental impact and difference because, um, of what everyone did together. So that's a, another important piece for us. Um, and then, um, and then our stuff can get sold online, um, on our websites. That's awesome. So do in the example, when do you, when you use Prana before, would you give that back to Prana and they would sell it as well? Or would someone come directly to the renewal workshops website? Right now, people come directly to the Renewal Workshops website, uh, and then we have a partnership back with Prana off of the sales. Uh, but uh, the, in the future, yes, we we hope that our brand partners do um, get some of the product and sell it through their own channels. Uh, right now, uh, all of our partners were really excited to get started, and so they were like, the easiest way is for us to sell it to customers. And um and then they'll, over time, I'm sure they'll start to think about it. How do they be a bigger player in the sale of Renewed? Wow, that's fascinating. So going back to what you said before, how it's really the sum of even all the little pieces of, of uh, all, the, all the little actions that people take, like, like someone just buying you know, a shirt and a pair of pants, it really does make a big difference. So what, what do you envision as kind of the long-term worst case scenario if if no one were to focus on sustainability and no one thought about it um what's kind of the the big threat that we're facing that you're helping to solve and and mitigate against do you mean what's the big threat for the customers or for brands or no just for kind of the world and in general what would the picture look (laughs) like if if no one uh did amazing things like yourself uh, to kind of paint that picture of of the world without sustainability Oh, it's a little scary. I mean, it's a lot scary. Um, I think this is maybe a not a good question for an optimist. Um, but I think that the necessity of the fact that we're living in a resource constraint world is starting to show itself. And because of that, people are starting to change their behaviors more. And so, I mean, we're really lucky in the U S to have a lot of, uh, space and like protected lands and to be able to see and be engaged and interact with nature. I've spent a lot of time all over the world in different countries and it doesn't have the same relationship when so many people are just trying to survive. And so I think it's really, yeah, it's really hard to, um, I mean, you just hope that people see themselves as part of nature and that we can, you know, do things to save it. But yeah, that's a, 
That's a big question. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's easier for, for an optimist um, like yourself. What's your vision for a perfectly sustainable future that you're helping to create? Oh, yeah, that one's much easier. Thank you. <laughs> well, I think the the thing that excites me the most is this idea of a circular economy. So nature is circular and in in its natural form, right? Like a tree is the best example. In this fall, it drops its leaves, the leaves go into the ground. It's not garbage. It becomes it's biodegrades, it becomes nutrients for the soil, and then like new plants can grow out of that soil. Um, so there isn't this idea of waste. So like if an animal, that, like if things die or they go out into the world, they get used in some way. And so as humans, we've done this amazing job at creating so many things that are just not um, connected back to nature again. Think of plastics. So a plastic used to be a fossil fuel. It can't go back and ever be a fossil fuel again. So we have to figure out a way to take the materials that we've created and turn them into um, the, and the same material again and again and again and again so that it doesn't degrade. Um, so if you look at an aluminum can uh, as a great example of how can we create more products that can just get recycled over and over again. The other thing is how do businesses start to evolve from a linear system where they take things out of the earth, they make it, we use it as a customer, and then where does it go next? And most often, you know, it can get used a few times, but most often it's destined for landfill. There's a lot of products that are out there. Uh, I look at this uh, chair in front of me and there's, you know, it's, it's plastic, it's wood, it's got laminated together, there's some metal in it, like it's, it's a very complicated material. So, over time, as we start to have businesses think about this circularity, they'll start to design differently because once you design differently, you can extract more value out of that product later on. But right now, we're, we're, we're incentivizing the first sale. And a lot of companies don't benefit off the second and third and fourth sale. And that's where we're really trying to help apparel companies think about it differently. Hey, you made this once, it got sold it came back and how can we do um, another sale on it through cleaning and repairing it? Uh, and then, Hey, it came back a fourth time or whatever. And it's really getting damaged. But this, say your shirt, the front was like covering spaghetti stains, but the whole back panel of your shirt, the fabric was still really good. How do we take that back fabric and turn it into another product so it can have another life cycle. And then at some point, that material will no longer have value as a, as, as a use product. And so then we can start thinking about recycling right now in textiles, the avail, the materials that are available to be available to be recycled are very limited. You can get a hundred percent of a material. So something like a hundred percent polyester or a hundred percent nylon. Uh, and there's some mechanical recycling for cotton and wool, but if we're talking about everyone's favorite t-shirt, which is your poly 50-50 poly cotton t-shirt, there's really limited opportunities. And then you get into even more complicated materials. So there's tri-blends and um, laminated materials. And so all of that right now is basically landfill. We do not have a solution for it. 
And so, but each individual brand is not going to be able to solve this by themselves. They don't have enough volume to do it. And that's one of the things that we've thought a lot about is how do we get a whole bunch of material in here, start to aggregate it, get some volume, start to R&D solutions around recycling, start to give feedback loops to brands to say, by the way, if you made this differently, this would be completely compostable or this would be completely recyclable. But the way you do it now, this is where it's going. And they don't have those feedback loops now, so they're not going to change the way they operate. Um, so it's it's a lot of like co-learning as an industry with a goal for circularity. That's really interesting. And I'm not surprised that those brands don't have those feedback mechanisms because I think there's a big misconception out there um, that, you know, everything is recyclable if we, you know, just take the time to recycle it. Um, but I had no idea that some type of apparel, like for instance, 50% polyester, 50% cotton isn't recyclable. And I think a lot of people out there probably don't realize that as well. So what do you think is the biggest misconception, um, that is, uh, adversely affecting the sustainability industry and how do you think we can fight that? Yeah, that's a huge question. Um, I think there's, you know what I think the biggest thing is, is that there's so much that has an impact that as a brand or when my old role as a sustainability director, there was, I was working on like 10, 15 projects to like how to make something more sustainable. And for me to communicate this out to the end user, to the customer, it it's a lot of information. And I think what's happening is that we don't communicate well and customers don't have a great place. They're not necessarily incentivized to go look for more information or spend the time to learn it all. And because it's a lot of information. So if I were to say to you, okay, you can only, you're going to buy me a Christmas present. It only can be sustainable you have to define what sustainable is. You're, is it like, can I get you this organic cotton t-shirt or should I get you a recycled poly t-shirt? Should I get you something that's fair trade? And I, and I think the issue is that we think these things are trade-offs and something there's like something is more sustainable or less sustainable. And the complexity of it is that it's a whole bunch of ands. So you need the material type to be a, a more sustainable material type because it has a lower impact on the environment. It needs to be dyed and finished in a way that's um, harm free. Um, it, it has to be made by people who are treated ethically and fairly. It has to be transported to me in a way that's environmentally responsible. And then I should have a place to take this when I'm done with it. So it's a very systematic approach to it. And a lot of people are like, I just give me the answer or I just want one thing or it. And I, I do think that's changing, but it's hard right now if you're meant to sort of answer a, you know, an essay question with two words. That's a really good point. What do you think is the biggest thing that you've personally learned uh, now that you're uh, in the sustainability industry with your own company? Um, you know what? I, I'm lucky. I know a lot of stuff. I've spent a lot of years working on these issues and I, the, the, uh, the ability to make a sustainable decision is not as hard as people think it is. And it makes me sort of push back on the brands who are like, we can't, it's too expensive or it's not our culture or 
for whatever reason, there are tons and tons of little things that can happen all the time to make your company more sustainable and probably more um, profitable because of um, because there is a there is a growing interest in this. Um, so I think my when I hear companies drag their feet or don't make the changes. Um, I, I sort of, am like, well, I don't understand why, because the resources are out there. The, um, innovations are out there. You, it requires hard work and it requires working differently. So if you're going to move from conventional cotton to organic cotton, or even if you wanted to do, um, better cotton, uh, it, you don't have to do it overnight. And you could also look at how your products are being, uh, uh, the materials you're using, where are the efficiencies that you could gain from turning one fabric type over and have it be a slow rollover and start to market and message it differently. Uh, there's a lot of things there that we were able to do in the companies I worked in before to make a huge difference. And a lot of people sort of get stuck in the way of doing things the regular old way. So I'm excited by a lot of companies coming out there that are starting completely sustainable. So there's a number of um, young designers and entrepreneurs saying, I'm just going to start out of the gate with an entirely organic line, a product that's fair trade. You're like, or an animal free um, beauty line or whatever the issues of that specific product are. And they're saying like, this is, this is the baseline now. And so the big companies are going to have to evolve this way. Well, it just takes passionate people like yourself to be the kind of the motivational kind of Kickstarter to get them to do that and, and to really educate everyone on, on really how that's possible. So that I, I think it's fantastic what you're doing. And I, I can only see that increasing in the future. I hope more companies take that initiative to actually make that happen. I agree. I agree. Well, to close, if there's one thing you could share with us, um, tell us how we can get started living a more sustainable life uh, and how we can take that first step. It's a good question. I think the first thing to do is look at um, something you buy every day and it could be, or every week, um, it could be some of your food or if it's clothes or maybe your cleaning products at home. And just change one of them from a conventional one to either an organic or a more natural option for either a house cleaning product or um, beauty products or skincare or toothpaste or eggs, uh, you know, whatever it is, like it does matter. And over time, you can eventually add more things on. I know it's uh, hard for people because uh, like an or- organic options are more expensive, uh, but there's also local farmers markets and and different ways that you can get access to f- food that is uh, more sustainable. So I think it's like not having to like change your whole life, but make one different buying decision is a big one. Um, you can buy renewed apparel. That's another one. <laughs> uh, and um yeah. And, and, and just realize that it's the sum of all of our actions that are going to change, but your dollars spending money towards things that um, have a better impact, make a difference. That's so true. Yeah. It's just those little small steps kind of one at a time. You don't have to change your whole life to get started uh, unless you want to and start an awesome company like yourself. Then I highly <laughs> encourage everyone out there to do that. 
as that sounds. (laughs) 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 It seems like uh, it's really just that first step. um, That's, that's not too hard to take. So thanks so much for sharing your story with us. It's been super exciting to hear how you've gone um, throughout the progression of your life and what you've been up to um, in kind of the the start of the renewal workshop. So I'm super excited personally to see where it's going to go. And I'm about to get online right now and buy my first thing from there. So I'm super excited to check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Marshall. It's been great talking to you. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Nicole. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inside the Adventure. That was Nicole Bassett with the Renewal Workshop, who, even though she's been able to accomplish all of this in just the past year and a half, she still tries to find time to have her perfect day in the outdoors, involving trail running with her pups, some solstice pizza in Hood River, and a good IPA. If you or someone you know has your own adventure story and would like to be featured on the show, you can contact us by visiting vestigo.co slash podcast. While on our website, you can also listen to our past episodes and subscribe to the show. Remember, your next adventure is right around the corner. The only thing stopping you is you. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week on Inside the Adventure.